you all for tuning in. This is Selena and Iman. Together, we make you plus happy. Each week, we bring you someone who challenges us to define success and happiness on our own terms with a dose of laughter. Remember to like and subscribe at You Plus Happy Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at You Plus Happy. Hey, Selena. Hola. <laughs> Hola. How was your week? It was good. I don't remember it though. <laughs> uh, um, so last week, last weekend was Mother's Day. And um, I was like in a mood. Okay, fine. And then I made them brunch, my family brunch. Yeah. And um, it made me feel happy. So the moral of the story, guys, <laughs> do something for somebody. Then you'll be happy. Sir <laughs> facts. It really did oh. help though. And like slaving over that food and I don't really know how to cook, but I was trying to sell <laughs> it. made me happy. It really did make me happy. So I don't know. I'm sure they appreciated it too. They did. They did. And they pretended they liked it. It was great. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Um, so this week, and I talked about it in the last episode about um, wanting to try the whole time stamping thing um, that Mikey and Travis. So for those that didn't see last week's episode, basically just like scheduling out your day and devoting like a little bit of time to each activity. So I did that this week. Um, and I realized how little extra time I have <laughs> in the day, which was interesting. So I was like um, realizing that I need to be more strategic about not wasting time, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> but it was really helpful to go through and just um, have a set time for each activity. And I worked out every day last week so I was very proud of myself before work which has Me been a struggle it's crazy um, girl, it didn't change anything <laughs> in a week but it did make me happy to know I'm like okay I got up before work every day did my little hour 45 minutes um and tried to squeeze it in the day so you can lose ounces a day so a week. Um, I mean, I also ate like a whole pizza last night. Yeah, girl, oh. I had some cake. So <laughs> we'd be working out, but we'd be eating. So <laughs> I think you gotta do both, like you know, eat healthy and work out. But. I love working out, but now I think it's just like a habit. But I still be eating so bad. It's, mm -hmm. it's the cake and the freaking wine, man. <laughs> yeah, my weakness is the pizza, pizza and cookies especially chocolate chip, like the warm goo. Okay, anyways. Mm. You know, I've been off cookies. I'm a vanilla cake girl. No, no. Definitely could do some cookies over cake. Damn. <laughs> All right. So. It's got a little sidetrack. <laughs> Bringing it back. Sweets. Who do we have on the show? Does that, no, that doesn't work. All right, cool. I mean, <laughs> all right. So this week we have Erica Doe on as a guest. So Erica, we used to work together, so I'm very excited to have her on. She's a Washington DC native committed to the use of therapeutic creativity in social emotional development of youth. 
She is a daughter of immigrant parents from Liberia and the first in her family to graduate from college. She is especially inclined to work with students of color who will be the first in their families to attend college or a university. After earning her bachelor's of art degree from Columbia University and her master's of social work from Syracuse University, Erica received a Fulbright, Fulbright Fellowship through which she served as the university teacher and college advisor in Johannesburg, South Africa. She currently serves as a youth program manager overseeing all programs activities, including curriculum development and program evaluation. Erica is a licensed master social work, has her license in the masters of social work and provides therapy to adults in DC. She has 10 years of experience in education and mental health services with youth and young adults. She enjoys warm weather, large body of water, and sugary sweets. See, it had something to do with our, our guests. So without further ado, Erica. Hi, Erica. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. So this is my friend and co-host, Selena. Hello. Erica, we used to work together back in the day. <laughs> Way back. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. All right, so we'll hop in. Um, so thank you for being on the show. I just want to know, like, how did you get started in the field of social work and eventually starting Crew Oasis, your org? All right. Well, thank you all for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is my first podcast. Um, social work. So I grew up in Northwest D.C. in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't know if you know much about D.C. So then you're from Baltimore. So you know a little something. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it wasn't a fun time uh, to be a child in D.C. or to be anyone in D.C. really. My neighborhood wasn't particularly safe. We couldn't play in parks. Um, I recognized very early on that the opportunities that I had through education were very different from my peers in my neighborhood. And that has always been my <laughs> impetus to, towards social work. I didn't know I was wanted to do social work until I realized that there was a name called social work. I thought I was going to be a doctor, uh, a pediatrician even from childhood. Oh, I love kids. I love helping kids. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. And quickly realized my first year, I don't want to be a doctor. I hate the hospital. I hate needles. I hate blood. Why am I doing this? But I really like kids. So what else can I do? And so went into psychology and sociology and urban studies and found my way into social work. So that's, that's where I am. All I knew was I want to do something different for the people in my community. What can I do? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you asked another question. How did I start Crew? Did you ask me? Mm-hmm. How'd you get started with, well, first, what is Crew Oasis? Let's start there. <laughs> okay. So. Rural Aces is, um, how do we describe it? I want to describe it as a safe space. Mm -hmm. So right now I will call it an organization because I have these official documents that say that it's an organization, but I really started it as a safe space for me and my homegirls to just talk about life, about what we want to do in this life, um, create vision boards, 
create goals in a creative way. Um, I start, I really started it with young girls in South Africa when I was there in 2013. And it was an after school program. We met twice a month and I was doing with these young girls what I would do with my friends. Hey, let's talk about this. Oh, let's talk about mental health because no one's talking about it. Let's talk about what healthy relationships look like. And so I did that there, came home and I said, hey, let's keep this going in my living room because that's all I have. Um, and always had an art piece to it because art is fun and it makes people just a lot more comfortable um, sharing and exploring different things. And so Crew Oasis is really just a safe space for women to come and engage. And we can literally talk about anything. So these days I try to keep it structured because it's just easier. But I mean, during the quarantine, we had a virtual session and it was just like, hey, everyone gets five minutes to vent and no one can say anything. Mm. And when you finish venting, then the next person can chime in and give you advice or um, you know, ask any questions. And in that space, people were crying and I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this right now, but that's okay. So social worker Erica, therapist in me, kicks in and you know mm. facilitating conversation um in such a way that leaves people in the space vulnerable but not feeling broken by the time they get out of the space um and so it really is just a safe space for women to engage with one another to engage in community um to hold one another accountable to really explore the things that they they love and the things that are concerning to them mm -hmm. Wow. I love that idea. And I love the fact that, like, the fact that you said it's in your living room, like, I'm sure that <laughs> makes it a whole nother level of, like, intimacy and not, and, like, it does, level, though. like, just feeling like you can open up and be vulnerable in that space. It does. And there's always food and there's, there's drinks, whatever time <laughs> or whatever you like, you know, mm -hmm. it's a safe space. Love it. Most people, when they travel, a girl, if they go to South Africa, they're not going to go start like a, <laughs> what you just described. What made you do that um, versus just, because I even, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, just going to travel for selfish reasons. But mm -hmm. that sounds the opposite of that. <laughs> so how'd you, how'd that come about? So I was doing a Fulbright Fellowship. And my primary job was teaching and I was counseling at, I was teaching at the university and then I was counseling um, high school students who were trying to get into U.S. schools at the, through the, was it the embassy? One of those, the consulate. So I was doing that. Um, and when you go with Fulbright, they ask you to do a volunteer project. It can be a one-time thing. It can be a continuous thing, whatever it is that you want. And so I said, oh, I, I like students. I like high school girls. Let's do something with the girls. <laughs> I asked for some money. They gave me money so I could buy art supplies <laughs> and supplied my transportation. And I had these girls and they kept coming. So I said, okay, let's do, <laughs> do this. I called it a sister circle over there. And mm -hmm. they came. They came every other week. So they started asking me, can we do it every week? No, we're just going to do every other week for now, <laughs> you know, because I, I was planning things for them and it was structured because they are young people. And so I, I didn't want to just say, hey, come just sit. Um, and, you know, we're just going to chat. So I had very structured 
lessons for them, but it was fun. And I realized how freeing they were able to have. We talked about sex and I had them paint images of what sex looks like to them and how they think sex should be. And I remember one student painted this very pretty, bright, colorful image. And then she had a second image and it was dark. I mean, the darkest purples, blacks, dark blue. So I said, okay, explain to us what's going on in these photos. And she held up the bright photo and she said, this is sex within marriage when it's um, God ordained and it's free and it's loving. And she said, and this is sex um, in the concept of a break when it's forceful, um, it involves a violence, you know, this is when someone is stealing your innocence. Mm -hmm. And we were able to have a conversation about sex. And I never in a million years would have thought, oh, this will be the gateway to have this very open and honest conversation. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's so dope. How long were you there? For nine months. Oh, so good chunk of time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was homesick and then I wasn't and I wanted to stay but then the U.S. had was that our shut did we have a government shutdown in 2013 we did have a shutdown in 2013 wow so there was no more money for me to stay <laughs> I wasn't trying to get in this country so it probably wasn't paying attention <laughs> same 2013 now yeah uh, oh and did did um, helping the girls help you not feel homesick? Definitely. Um, it definitely added to a greater sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. um, just, I was happy. I don't, I love kids. I, I've always loved kids. I love anything. Mm -hmm. We can just sit and eat when we walk into the bus stop. Like I just love interacting with children. They are literally my joy. And so they're not kids. I mean, they're 15, but you know, working with them I just felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing so then I couldn't worry about oh I want to go home go home and do what what are you doing like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing right here in this space look how you found it or look how it found you yeah yeah I love it yeah um so in our did I cut you off Iman? I say that every episode <laughs> no <laughs> go ahead um so shifting gears a little bit, uh, in our society, we talk about success so much, but we never talk about the failures on the road to success. Mm. And so was there a time when you felt like you failed or, and, and what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Okay. So I've only felt like I failed one time and it's not, I don't even know if it was like, oh, I was doing this thing and it happened. I applied for something. Can I name it? I applied for Teach for America. So mm -hmm. I applied for Teach for America when I was graduating from undergrad and Teach for America told me no first round. Cool, fine. So then I got to Syracuse for grad school and my second year at Syracuse, I'm ready to leave. So I'm like, okay, what's next? I still want to teach. I applied for Teach for America again. Round one, I made it through. I said, okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. Round two, I did. I made it through. I said, all right, we're getting somewhere. Time to come. I did round three. They're like, I'm sorry. You're not it. I felt so uh, 
disappointed, um, frustrated. I was like, well, God, well, what am I going to do? I want to work with kids. I like teaching. What am I going to do? Two days after I got rejected from TFA, I got my letter from Fulbright saying that I was a finalist. Mm-hmm. Right? I did a little dance. Did you? <laughs> and Fulbright is like on another level, girl. It's I applied for it too. Another level. I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool. This is great. And that happened. And so I don't know. It's not, I haven't had a failure in, in doing necessarily like I started this project and it didn't work. Um, but definitely it felt like a failure in I'm putting all of my time, effort, energy into pursuing this goal. And it's mm-hmm. just not happening for me twice now. And I can't understand why. Um, and so I definitely felt disheartened in that moment but what I did realize is there's always something else that is for you Mm -hmm. if it doesn't happen this way try it again another way try another route like there's always just something else this one thing is not the end all be all it is not the thing that defines me ever it's just a moment in time it happened okay now what Mm -hmm. I love it So like what has been kind of like on your journey, um, traveling, starting your own safe space, um, getting fellowships, what has been your biggest motivation to keep you going? Mm -hmm. My biggest motivation truthfully is that I know that none of this is about me. Mm. Um, There are days where I don't want to do anything. Um, There are days when I work with my students and they say, oh my gosh, Miss Erica, you're so happy. And I'm like, if you had saw me, if you saw me this morning, I was not happy. But I saw your face and it brought a smile to my face. Mm-hmm. And so helping my community is something, it, there's a community drive for me. And maybe it's because my family is Liberian. And so everything is community and family. And do this for your family. And you have to do this and you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's growing up on W Street and seeing that none of us have much of anything. And none of us really have a safe place outside of this block or even on that block, really, the most days. Um, but, you know, none of us have, you know, this, the answer to, to making life great and grand in this space. But we used to provide community for one another. And so the parents would come and sit outside so that the kids could play. And the people on the street who were doing their things knew, oh, when Mama Esther is outside, y'all better keep it together. Or mm-hmm. she walks by, that's my mom. When she walks by, you know, hey, Miss Esther, how you doing? Like, you know, it was very, it was very kind. It was very like loving. It was very community oriented, even when there was foolishness happening around us. And so my community drives me. I'm like, none of this is about you, Erica. Who cares how you feel today? I mean, take your break, of course. Take your moment, do what you need to do. But ultimately, it's not about me. It's how I'm affecting change in the communities that I inhabit. And so everywhere that I go, I find myself building these communities and adding to and strengthening and growing from and learning from these spaces. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. How do you um, how do you build communities everywhere you go? Because I know we were just talking before we started the show, y'all, like people moving so much. And when you like nowadays, a lot of people move all the time, like we're in three different locations. Yeah. And so it's like, um, how do you build those um, communities everywhere you go? I don't really know. You know, okay, so I don't know. I'm going to say God because really, I'm not sure, you know, especially in adulthood, I'm like, I still am able to find these places. Mm -hmm. So I used to have this joke that everywhere I go, God sends me somebody who's going to cook for me. So there's always, <laughs> like, I need that. you know, I'm never like, Oh, I miss home cooked meals. And then there's not a uh, home cooked meal, right? Oh, like there's yeah. always the spaces. Um, mm -hmm. Church is a really big way for me to build a community. Mm -hmm. In South Africa, that was my lifeline. And so my friends and I were at church. We were at church on Wednesday for Bible study. We were there on Monday for women's Bible study. Friday for like, you know, the singles night. Sunday for service. Mm -hmm. And then we would go out to eat at the church on Sunday. Mm. You know, we would celebrate each other's birthdays. We would celebrate accomplishments. We would take, we took trips together even while we were over there. And mm. so church is a really big place for me. Um, I have been fortunate enough to work in spaces that have like-minded people um, that I enjoy spending time with. And so those are good places. So in LA, my community was my work community. Like these were the people that I invited to my birthday party. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's like a lot of people don't have that experience at work. They're not making friends at work where they say, oh, let's go watch a baseball game. You know, like they don't have that, but I've been able to have that. I've been blessed to be in those kind of environments. Yeah. And I think too, just speaking from that, because I remember we did um, a paint night at your place. I feel like you also provide those type of environments. So you're very welcoming and very much like you can come into my space and like, this is your space too, which, you know, I've gone other places <laughs> and it didn't feel like that. So yeah. it's kind of like what you put out is what you get in as well, or what you get put out is what you get back. So I could yeah. sense that because as soon as I met her, I was like, can you be my friend? Literally, like two minutes later. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, was like, I felt that too. And I don't say that to all the guests. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever said that to somebody that quick. <laughs> no, not, not straight off the back. Maybe by the end of the interview. <laughs> yeah. But I just felt that. So I think I think what Iman's, I, I mean, we just met, but Iman knows you better than I do. And I, I could already attest to that. So that's a good point, Iman. It's like, you got to put that out there too. Thank you. Um, so switching gears a little bit, what is something that you hope, I feel like I might already know the answer, but something you hope people say about you when you're not in the room? So funny enough, it's what you just said, um, that when they were in my presence, that they felt welcome, they felt accepted and loved for who they are. Okay. I think that's really important. I I'll, I never want anybody to leave me feeling like, oh, you know, and it, it's not even like you have to like me. I just want whatever space that I'm in, whatever space that I'm creating um, or inhabiting, people feel like it's their space. You're mm -hmm. welcome here. 
Mm-hmm. How do you create that? Because you did it. We just told you. So I want to know how to do it. So I can go do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, I'm just born. I was, she's born with it. <laughs> Honestly, okay. So when I was in South Africa, I had a group of friends who all went to the same church, but they never hung out with each other. And I got there and I was like, okay, come. Oh, and I know Mempiwa and Kumo, come on, let's go. Like everybody come together and we're gonna go eat here or we're gonna take a walk here or we're going to Cape Town because it's Maslaki's birthday. So I, I don't know is the answer, but I realized then there's some kind of, I used to joke, I was like, I was like, I'm the glue of this friendship group. And I want y'all to keep it together when I leave because I'm going back to the United States, but you all are still here. And I, I didn't, I, I really don't know what it is. So I, I don't know if it, I'm just going to say it's God in me because I really have no idea. It's not like a, it's not a, a thing that I actively, um, you know, can figure out how to do. I just realized then, oh, this is happening. Oh, okay. This is something that you're doing. Don't necessarily know how it's happening, but it's happening and it seems to be the trend wherever I am. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it because, yeah. you know, it, it allows me to create family in these different spaces. Yeah. Wow. And I feel like, and this is just me reading into it, it takes a certain level of, I guess, confidence in yourself too. Because yeah. I know like when you're in a space and at least for me, and I'm like just meeting people and like filling them out, like there's a level of hesitation of like, all right, like where I, I wouldn't feel as confident to just be like, all right, I know we just met, but like everyone comes to my house and like, let's have this space. I'm like, okay, let me fill you out. Let me make sure like you guys, like the energy and the vibe will click with everyone that's invited. Whereas I feel like you're just like, we're just gonna make it happen. And what happens happens, which- But people are also just good. Y'all are good people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> reading people too <laughs> yeah like y'all are good people we should all just hang why not mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, agree <laughs> I used to be a lot like Iman but moving around I realized I, I started opening up more now because I'm like um I want I was so grateful that people invited me into their spaces and so I was like, I need to do the same. I used to be very, not clickish in a mean girl way, but clickish in a way of like, I want to protect me and my closest friends and make sure the people we're around, we know we can be ourselves around, we can be free and all that. But you block a lot of blessings out or block a lot of people out when you do that. And then it's, it's selfish too, I think. And then I was, and then again, going back to how people move so much, it's like, I remember how lonely I was in LA. And so I was like, now I'm like, whoever wants to come with us can come invite people like and I never was like that before so I don't know I hope that's um helpful to the listeners it's a little way to like switch it a little bit it's turning that like putting that wall down and I think that's what you would describe it in mind kind of this wall mm-hmm. it's just for protection yeah so hopefully Erica doesn't have that <laughs> but I think that protection though too is important yeah right? I think mm-hmm. it's really important to protect your mental energy um, yeah, really important. And I also think, so and to that point, I will invite you in. Mm-hmm. And if it's looking like, eh, maybe not, you won't get a second invitation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you set right? those boundaries. Well, maybe you'll get yeah. a, se- a separate invitation. I have friends that I hang out with just the two of us mm-hmm. because I know their energy is not compatible in a larger group. Y'all can't come to the birthday dinner, <laughs> but we can have drinks on the side. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to know that too. Yeah. That's really wise. And still you don't throw the like baby out with the bathwater. That's still like yeah. a way to have everybody still feel included in some way. I love that. That's a lot to think about. Um, it is because I feel like people are so isolated now. And like, as we get older, making these friendships and um, building the sense of community is so important. And I think, I don't think we think about it enough and you don't think about it until you don't have it. And then right. you're really thinking of, so I, I don't know that all of that is like, I think really, really important to reflect on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know if we asked this, but if we did, we can just skip it. But have there been any challenges um, on your journey? Um, and if we did ask that and we pushed, okay. <laughs> Okay. We did, we did. I don't remember that. Okay. I, don't, I, mean, I don't remember. I mean, I, so my biggest challenge, I think, is my, uh, my, I have my health challenge is I have lupus. And mm-hmm. I've been living with lupus since I was 18. And so uh, here I am about to hit 33 next Friday. Okay. <laughs> birthday. Thank you. And I'm still living with lupus. Um, and it's still one of my biggest challenges. Um, but I do think that living with lupus has also been uh, a drive for me to do things like create positive communities um, to engage in art and therapeutic activities that keep my mind right, which then keeps my body right. Um, it's taught me a lot about self-care. Erica, you're tired today. Listen to your body all right, cool. I'm going to lay down. I remember in college, I missed a lot of things because I just physically couldn't do it. And so, um, shout out to my friends, you know, they never made me feel like I wasn't a part of the group or, you know, like I was like slowing them down or, you know, if I need to leave early, it was okay. Um, so I, it's, it's been a, definitely been a challenge, but it's also been a large part of me being able to build the communities that I have been able to build and to, I think, be an effective help to people who are challenged by different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like it hasn't slowed, like slowed you down either. Like you take your breaks, but it's like, you're still doing these trips and still starting organizations and creating these communities, which is so impressive. I feel like sometimes um, when there's challenges, people use that as like an excuse on why they can't. And it seems like you just, you're like, all right, this is something I have to deal with when I have to deal with it, but I'm going to keep doing right. what I have to do. Because life still goes on. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's my first year of college and I'm like, ooh. All right, I got this thing. Now what? <laughs> you know, and, and it was tough. It's not that it was, it was something that was easy to deal with. I couldn't do things I was doing. I used to run track. I ran volleyball, played volleyball. I was dancing, and I had to slow down on a lot of things. I had to stop a lot of things, to be quite frank. But yeah. it, you know, it wasn't ever going to be something that was going to pause my dreams 
or mm-hmm. stop me from attempting to reach a goal. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, you, go ahead, Imana. I was just going to say, like, you mentioned your friend circle and like your community um, a lot. What traits or qualities do people have to have in order to be in your circle? Um, I think the people around me tend to be really funny, um, yeah. either intentionally or unintentionally. They're just really funny people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really smart. And not necessarily just book smart, but my friends are really smart. Like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're doing that? Like, what? You're an engineer? Okay, cool. Oh, science. All right. You got it. Like, (laughs) oh, you're a talented artist. Like, they're just really, really smart human beings. Um, And I think they're very genuine people. Like, you're going to get what you're going to get. And you may not always like it. And it's okay because they're literally showing you exactly who they are. And I think it's important when people show us exactly who they are because then we get to make a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I want to continue to deal with you? And you don't have to. And it's cool. Yeah. But they're going to show you who they are. It's going to come out sooner or later. Yeah. You're going to yeah. say sooner or later. <laughs> we don't have to waste everybody's time here. Let's just. Right. <laughs> 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 I did want to ask you going back to the um the last thing we asked you um and if it's too touchy I'm sorry but if anyone is listening I know we all struggle with so many different things and so when you were diagnosed with lupus before that um did you already have a, a foundation of faith or what was your foundation anyway because it sounds like emotionally you're handling it you handled it really well I don't know what happened during that time but now it seems like it's not stopping me. You had to stop certain things, but you don't sound defeated by it. Um, yeah. So where was your so, mental space? Um, my mental space then, so I was, I was coming, my symptoms started when I was in high school. So I was, I mean, I was already stressed. I was very anxious. It's very, very anxious. Am I going to get into school? I had a lot, I had a lot of confidence issues in high school, which was weird because my grades were stellar, but I just, I don't know what it was. I'm still, I, I liken it back to this as instance in fourth grade, I did really poorly on a quiz. And ever since then, I started thinking like, oh, maybe you're not as good as you think you are. It didn't matter what my grades look like after that. It was this thing that was stuck in my head and I, I just pray no one else is, I mean, I know people are dealing with that, but like, it's so silly now that I think about it as an adult like I didn't have any evidence to back up what I was feeling there was literally no evidence and today when I work with students I'm like this is how you feel show me the evidence Mm -hmm. what supports you feeling this way but anyway I'm a therapist now and that's fine I get to help people now so I had a lot of confidence issues so I was very 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 anxious um and my symptoms started and they couldn't figure out what it was. And so I spent six months with no medication, no nothing, just in pain, not knowing what is going on with me. And then college started and I was away from home and I was happy to be away from home, <laughs> um, but it, it was also tough being away from home and dealing with that. So I get this diagnosis and I remember being really sad, but more scared because the internet is a wild place. Mm -hmm. it tells you so many things I'm like "Ah." 
I had a better doctor, I just, that would have been a better time for me. But I also had a really supportive group of friends. Um, we were, oh gosh, one of us had sickle cell. Um, two of us had diagnosed uh, mental health disorders. And then here I come with my lupus. And so we were, you know, we were just, all right, y'all, how do we figure out this thing? How do we navigate this thing? Most of us are far away from home, but that support was really strong for me. My faith is also really strong. I, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that that played a huge part and still plays a huge part in me getting through any challenge, any part of my day. Like my faith is so important in just helping me to keep going. So even when emotionally I feel like I'm a mess, something about prayer pulls me out of it. Something about going to different scriptures shows me, okay, you're feeling this way and your feelings are valid, but the thoughts that are coming with these feelings are not always real. Yeah. So what do you know to be true? I open my Bible. What does my Bible tell me? Or what is the evidence that I have from my past that shows me that I can move through this as well? So that, that's how I, I stay stable. <laughs> And I feel like you said you were diagnosed when you were 18. Yeah. That's so, I mean, I was not thinking that way at 18, 19. So I'm like the fact that you had that foundation to kind of go back to at such a young age is, yeah. It's pretty My amazing. family is real strong in, in the God business. <laughs> <laughs> In it. My, uh, my, my grandmother started the church that I currently attend. Um, my dad is a deacon in the church. My stepmother is an evangelist in the church. Like everything is it's like so much of life was surrounded around this. My mom is a devout Catholic and has been since I was born. So everything was, and do your Hail Mary and do this and do that. And so even though I didn't, um, you know, I don't practice the Catholic faith, it's still going to Catholic school from kindergarten to 12th grade and being with my mama in the house and her praying this rosary every morning faithfully at six o'clock. Like it, it just, it gives you, it gave me a discipline. It gave me a foundation of faith. Um, and I eventually came to realize it doesn't matter what denomination I choose to really embrace. Um, my base is God, and that's that's what I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I love that. I'm letting it all sink in. That's yeah. the <laughs> it resonates. Um, it, so in our this is different. Okay, we move it. <laughs> so, Switching gears a little bit. Yes, I was trying to find a new term for it, but anyway, I can't. <laughs> um, in our society, there's this idea of what it means to be successful. And that's even why Iman and I started the podcast. Um, we wanted to define success for ourselves. And so what does it mean to you? And in addition to that, what makes you happy? What's, when are you the happiest? So... How do I, okay, so I have to start here. I used to define the success as doing whatever it was that would have my family be proud of me. Mm -hmm. 
And now I define success as <laughs> doing whatever it is that brings me joy and brings that joy back to my community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, to that point, I am happiest when I am spreading joy in a way that is sustainable for me. Um, And I say it like that because I haven't always done that in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. It hasn't always. And I think that can be true of a lot of social workers or therapists or counselors or people working in the nonprofits or people working with children, period. We can tend to give and give and give and give and forget that we are real human beings who need replenishing. And so I have learned and learning how to do it in a really sustainable way. And that makes me really happy. Mm, I love it. Can you, cause I'm just wondering, like, can you um, give an example of something that maybe like, you're like, okay, this is taking too much energy out of me. Like, how can I make it sustainable so that I'm getting something back? Yes. Okay. So pandemic. It's the most recent, right? So last year, here I am working with these girls in this mentoring program. We're meeting twice a week and the program is abruptly ended in person. But now I'm challenged to create this virtual space and learn how to use Zoom in two days. And Mm -hmm. so I found myself working through my day and up to the night. And at that point I was living at my dad's house and he would come into my room at 10 o'clock. He's like, you're still working? And I'm like, mm-hmm. let me close my computer. Yeah. The day is, the day is done, we're, we're doing too much. And mm-hmm. I would just be racking my brain, planning things for these girls because I'm like, oh my gosh, now they're home. I don't know what's going on in their homes or I know what's going on in their homes and it's not pleasant. And so how can I make sure that their social emotional health is great and I'm doing all these things and I'm stressed and my face is breaking out and I'm flaring and I'm in pain all day and I'm like, ooh, child, wait a minute. Can't work like that. If I'm Mm -hmm. working like that, what am I actually giving to them? Like you're you're getting the last dregs of my energy because I spent all this time trying to create something that was great for you. We were in a nine week summer program. It was crazy. I will never do that again, <laughs> but we did it and it was successful, but I realized the way that I was doing it, I was draining myself. Mm-hmm. I was making myself sick and I'm showing up every morning with these girls and I have this huge smile on my face and all this energy and we're dancing and we're doing yoga and we're, you know, we're learning science and math and technology. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Yo, but at the end of the day, I'm drained because I didn't do this right. And so then I started to implement boundaries for myself. And so my work day would end at a normal work day. I'm not in the office. Cool. But if I'm saying I'm going to work eight to four, I'm going to work eight to four. And that's what I started doing. Mm-hmm. And I would close my computer. And then if I want to get back on the computer, sure. But it's to do something else entirely. It's not to send another email Um, or to look up another activity or create another outline. I had to do that because I was, I was sick. Mm -hmm. I could feel it. My labs were telling me I was sick. (laughs) So I had to stop. 
I love it. And I think yeah. that so many people struggle with that, especially with virtual work, because it's yeah. so easy to just keep going. Like you don't have to go anywhere. You just open your computer or keep it open and keep going. So I love that you're able to, and your body was telling you like, slow down. Yeah. And, um, so, and what I yeah. keep hearing throughout the whole episode is that you've been honoring what you feel like, um, or like earlier you said something about being tired or whatever, and you listen to that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think that's hard for people too, is like, yeah, I feel tired, but I have to keep going or whatever. Um, so that it's just, I just wanted to highlight that we honoring ourselves and what we feel inside and like taking, even taking the time to feel it or listen um, uh-huh. because we're just tr- tr- programs to keep going and going I know I've said this before but just to keep going and going and it's like before you hit that wall it's like just take a second so I love that you you've said that a, a few times and I think it's an important point I don't subscribe to that you sleep when you die mentality no you sleep tonight yeah. and you wake up tomorrow <laughs> Girl, I love my sleep it's necessary and it's another day to do the thing that you thought was so important to do today it really wasn't that important and you're not even doing it well when you're burnt out mm-hmm. I, that's what I realized too like I could stay up but what I'm doing is a hot mess might as well have just went to sleep got some energy and did it right the first time right I was energized so yeah, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. So I guess for our our listeners that um, you know might be dealing with challenges, wanting to start their own or create these communities, what piece of advice would you give to them? I would say just do it. Okay. Do it small. Do it raggedy. And, okay, when I say raggedy, I don't mean like throw out trash. Yeah. But I do mean, don't wait until it's perfected because what does that even look like, mm-hmm. right? And who decides if it's perfected? You never, you never put it out there for anybody to look at, evaluate, give you feedback. You don't know if it's perfected. <laughs> so I would say, just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Start with your friends, see how they engage with it start with your church community start with your family members just see how people engage with whatever it is that you're trying to do but don't wait until you feel that it's perfect um, and everything is completely lined up and in a row before you start to do the thing that you want to do mm-hmm. I love it mm-hmm. we um Luna and I will attest to having that issue for before we got started the podcast where we were just feeling like we had to perfect and like revamp and we're just like at one point we're like okay this is the date we're just gonna do it (laughs) so um I think that's such great advice because sometimes especially when it's new you're just waiting for things to be perfect and you're like this is you know a vulnerable space I don't know it um so I love that advice and it's not that it won't be scary because I was sweating that day, like that we released this yeah, show. <laughs> I was hot, okay, and it was not hot outside. I was like, gosh, <laughs> it's like, but like you said, just do it. And I think um, it's a catalyst too. Once you do it, 
it like you want to do other things and you'll be less afraid to do more uh mm -hmm. things so I think that's why it's like yeah just gotta do it it's, it's, it'll be okay <laughs> and even if it's not you get feedback exactly from it you'll learn how to do it better mm -hmm. I'm sure every time you do a podcast it gets better and better yeah yeah and we learn so much yeah it's important you you will get feedback either way but you know you're doing something that you want to do and that you enjoy and it's important to you so not just the podcast anything that you're working yeah. on and that you put out there so I think that's important um real quick what kind of what kind of therapy do you have am I saying this right specialize in um I right now work with adults uh who are severely mentally ill or have drug addiction okay. um in the DC area okay okay just curious I looked at your bio and I was like wait a minute it doesn't specify <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um the agency that I work for right now is pretty much like Get in where you fit in. And so, you know, there's a lot of, which is good and bad. And there's a lot of opportunity to try different things um, and to work with the different groups of people. Um, but it can also feel really scary. In the beginning, I was very intimidated because I was so used to working with young people. But mm -hmm. at my interview, they felt that this was the position for me. Um, and so it's the position that I took and it's working out. <laughs> Love it. And it sounds like, um, this is why I didn't do clinical, but it sounds like that can be, it can be like very heavy work, working with that particular yeah. population. What do you do for like self-help and like self-care to kind of re-energize and get back to Erica? So I take a lot of walks. Um, I, the good thing with therapy is that you get supervision weekly. You're supposed mm -hmm. to. <laughs> you're supposed to get supervision weekly um supervision is helpful in helping you to just get stuff out mm -hmm. vision goes through not only you know highlighting client issues that you're have that they're having or things that you need help with but it also gives you a chance to connect with your feelings around certain clients is this triggering for you and why um and so what i've learned in the absence of supervision is uh to journal so if something is bothering me about a certain topic or if I'm struggling working with a specific client I'm journaling about it it just helps me to get it out of my head so it's not sitting up here mm -hmm. um yeah that the journaling helps a lot it's really important to just get it out of my head yeah because it's not mine um and even though they are my clients they're problems are not my problems and that's something that I struggled with in the beginning it's very easy to hold on to where I had to realize my friends are not sounding boards uh you know for my, about my therapy cases um so just write it out and talk mm -hmm. with, with my supervisor when I do have an opportunity to have supervision yeah okay I love it yeah it's all it's important stuff man <laughs> yeah. and I feel like I do the journaling too and it does make a difference such a difference like just getting it out of your head and then onto paper and you're like all right yeah 
So like, I don't know how to journal. Look, I've been journaling all my life. You know, little girls, they give you the little diaries and the little key that yes. you break and all this. <laughs> and so I started, you know, my whole life, but I was, I, every, I find it helpful sometimes. But for the most part, I'm like, I don't know what to write. Today, I went to the store, y'all. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Because I want to make it a habit that I do regularly, but I don't regularly have things to say, like, really. So I'm just in there writing, like, I hope this works out. Thanks, God. Or I write, like, what I'm grateful for and my prayers and stuff. But um, for, as a th- um, in a therapeutic way, that happens every once in a while. And I told you mine, like, sometimes and it did happen. But for the most part, it's not. Are there any quick like tips for that to make it more like um, a release or? Um, okay, so I don't journal regularly, mm-hmm. like for myself. Okay. Um, I journal when I have extreme emotions. So if I'm happy, if I'm really happy, something really great happened, I'm gonna write it down just, just for documentation sake. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm really sad or really angry, sometimes the emotion is too much to even write. I do a lot of voice memos on my phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the voice memos are so helpful. Last summer, y'all, I have so many voice memos that are like 30 minutes long because I would just take a walk. I had to get out the house, mm. take a walk, and I'm talking. I'm just talking. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I didn't, I wouldn't have had enough focus in the, those moments to sit and write it wouldn't have come out fast enough it would have looked like trash jumbled on my in my journal like it just it wouldn't have worked and so when I cannot write I'm journal I'm doing voice notes yeah yeah another tip that I got from someone else is if you if you want to journal and make it a habit don't focus on you don't have to write like everything right Mm -hmm. so she writes um how she's feeling physically she's someone who also has lupus how she's physically feeling physically how she's feeling um emotionally where she is spiritually she'll just write those three things every day and then what she does because she does make it a daily habit is go back to the year before and see where she was on that day and compare to where she's feeling today mm-hmm. I, love it. I love that that's a good note Yeah, and that's quick and easy too. Mm -hmm. And it's like a good way to reflect, engage where you are. I love that. And Uh I used to, I did uh, the video um, journaling by myself, like diary. And I was like, the government's watching my video. And then I started. Uh (laughs) I know that's stupid, but I was like, I don't want them all in my business. So I watching your whole phone. So if you worry about that video, I know. What you say, Iman? They're watching you everywhere. You can't That's escape. Everywhere. But, like, but like, I hope that like they wouldn't know my thoughts if I didn't say them. So I'm like, now they got my deepest thoughts. So I'm like, <laughs> but now I'm gonna do the voice memo. I'm not gonna worry about it. The government gonna know anyway. Okay. Cool. Do you go back and listen to your voice memos, or is it just like I, I just do. need to? Get... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's so funny, and other times I'm like, wow, you please <laughs> like my whole journal and voice memos from last year are so up and down I'm like oh mm-hmm. 2020 was a tough year mm-hmm. yeah you ain't lying um well that's really those are really really good tips Erica and I just shared that part about the government to be funny but I do think that but anyway so <laughs> 
so we're gonna uh we're gonna wind down because we're hitting uh that time does anybody have anything else no i want to say thank you all for creating this space and of course thank you for Thank you for being here with us. Uh, and we can't, we, I know we say this all like it's in our outro, but we really can't do it without the guests. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody want to hear me and mom talk every week? <laughs> the numbers we don't even want to hear talk The numbers week. show it, right? <laughs> so we need those different perspectives. Yeah. Um, so I'm so and glad like, you're here. Yeah. And like you were saying, like you're giving, you need to take time to like get things back. And I feel like Selena and I say this all the time. Every guest we have on, we walk away with so much mm-hmm. in terms of just things that we can incorporate. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. Every episode, like, I'm like, I'm a better person now. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so nice, Joy. And so, I mean, Joy, I'm looking at this. Um, uh, Eric. Sorry. You were so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you no, were so no. nice. Erica is so smart and um, so much wisdom. And so I'm really grateful and happy to meet you. Thank you. I'm going to come visit you. I'm bringing Iman with me, maybe. I'm coming, though. (laughs) He's a little far, but y'all come on. (laughs) You won't be there forever. True. (laughs) Come on, New Orleans is here. As soon as I have a place to live, anybody is welcome. (laughs) Really want to (laughs) come. Why am I doing by myself? <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and close out, okay? Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you again, Erica, for sharing your time with us and inspiring our listeners to redefine success for themselves. And of course, thank you, listeners. We could not do this without you. Remember to hit like, comment, and share this episode. We really appreciate your feedback. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And we ask our guests to say our tagline, which is long. We'll show you our definition of success if you show us yours. We'll show you our definition of success if you show us yours. Ooh. Hey. <laughs>